Glad you're with us tonight. It's always good to get together, and I love that song, Trust and Obey. It reminds me of my childhood. I can remember that song so well. Tonight we continue on in finding God in the lyrics, but so you know, for next week we will not be meeting on Sunday evening next week, but because it is the 4th of July and lots of things are happening, and we certainly encourage you to be with other members and to be in, uh, in being a good place next week. Well, always, but you know what I'm saying. But uh, next week there will be one morning service at 1030, and so we certainly invite everyone to be a part of that as well. So we're talking about finding God in the lyrics. And we've been doing this for a while because there are so many songs that we can think about. And the reason I do this is because whenever you listen to the radio, I don't want you just thinking secular thoughts, but I want somehow your mind to go to God. And the song tonight that we're looking at, you've probably already seen the title. It's Garth Brooks' Unanswered Prayers. And so that song obviously probably leads you to some kind of spiritual thought because it talks about prayer, right? But this is a good one tonight for, at least in my opinion, to help us think about some really serious issues that we deal with. And so in this song, this isn't the whole song, but it's part of it. And here's how the words go. She was the one that I had wanted for all times, and each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. She wasn't quite the angel that I remembered in my dreams, and I could tell that time had changed me. In her eyes, too, it seemed. We tried to talk about the old days. There wasn't much we could recall. I guess the Lord knows what he's doing after all. Well, let me clarify a few things. I would rather he called God God than the man upstairs, okay? And secondly, he says don't care instead of doesn't care. And Barbara was an English major, and so I have to point that out, okay? He should have said doesn't care instead of don't care. But you've heard it now, so you now, you now know that. There's also another interesting thing about this. Well, there's several interesting things about this song. And I, I think I've even talked about it before. But in the, this song is based on a true story from Garth Brooks' life. And he was back in, in, in uh, wherever he lived, somewhere in Oklahoma at the time, Yukon, Oklahoma. And uh, he went to a arts and craft show and ran into this woman. But you can't write a country song about being at an arts and craft show. So he changed it to a football game. But there's also another interesting thing about the song unanswered prayers. There are things that we all deal with, but I want you to remember, first of all, that all prayers are answered. They are answered with a yes and with a no and with a not now. So it's not completely theologically correct, but we understand the point, don't we? of those times that you have prayed with everything in your heart and in your mind for something to happen, and it didn't happen. 
and you couldn't understand how it could be that way. Maybe you have, maybe you have prayed for that girl or for that guy. Maybe you have prayed for your marriage to stay together. Maybe you've prayed, you've prayed for a job that you were dreaming of. Maybe you were praying for, for a mate to be baptized into Jesus. Maybe, maybe it was any of those things and beyond. And you have prayed with everything you knew, and Lord, I don't understand why you're not granting this. This isn't just the, can we go to Disneyland for, Christmas, for, for uh, vacation? It's not just that kind of prayer. I mean the things you have seriously prayed for and wanted with everything in your being. Those types of things. I think about Romans chapter 1, verse 13, where Paul is writing this great letter to the Romans. The, the, of all the letters that Paul wrote, this one has been written about more than any of the others. Often when you get... A deep commentary set, for example, there will be two or three volumes just on the book of Romans. But here he is in verse 13. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I've had among the other Gentiles. Now, I want you to imagine Paul thinking, well, I'm going to go to Rome. And then whatever comes in the way in other places, you remember that Paul talked about that, that Satan had prevented him from, from going places. And so he thinks, I'm going to go to Rome, but then something happens. And, you know, how is it that, that evil forces or God or whatever it is works so that you don't get the papers, so you don't get the, the passport so you can go or your car breaks down? Or as I've talked about, we were planning to go to Israel last year. Well, COVID kind of killed that, right? So many things. I thought I was going, why in the world would that not happen? Paul is wanting to go to Rome. What a great place to go. I mean, the hub of the world. Why would it be wrong for Paul to go and preach there? But yet he says, I was told I couldn't go back then once, twice, three times, however many times. It just doesn't seem to make sense sometimes because Paul's prayer was unselfish. This is not like, oh, I want to go to Rome so I can see what the palace looks like. This isn't one of those things, you know what, I have this, I, I want to go to Rome and get a magnet from Rome so I can put it on my refrigerator when I get back. You know, maybe he had, maybe he had stickers on his chariots from all the places he went, you know, like RVs do. It's not that kind of prayer. This is a prayer that I want to go and preach the gospel. I want to go and teach and that may not be the prayer you've prayed before. It may be, but there are other prayers that are just as unselfish that you have prayed before. And we've wondered, why has God said no? Or why has God said, wait? This is one where God is saying, wait later. God's timing and even God's actions can be a mystery. We don't always know. We won't always, we will never figure it all out on this earth. You know, I can think being a 12-year-old boy growing up, my, or even a 7-year-old boy, my dad got sick with cancer when I was 7. He dies when I'm 12. He's a preacher and an elder at the same time. Why in the world could it be anything good at all that he would die? 
Does that make any sense? We were all family was praying that he would get well and wouldn't die. The whole church is praying whenever he died in our house. There were probably 30 people in the house that night. The elders were there. Family was there. Everybody was there. Why in the world would God permit something like that? Well, I can't give you all the answers. I wish I had them. I can tell you some things that came from that that maybe that could be part of it. But all I can ever say is possibly, I can tell you one thing, I wasn't planning on being a preacher back then, but there were things that came around that, so I could say that my, my opportunity or the opportunities to share Christ with people were extended beyond just his life because of, what I, because of that influence it had on me, his death had on me. And so maybe that's what it is. But at the time, it didn't seem to make any sense. My mother had a high school degree. She hadn't worked in years. It didn't make any sense at all that we would end up in the financial situation we were in with her making minimum wage and me going to work as a 12-year-old so we could survive. It doesn't seem to make any sense. But later on, I can see good that comes out of that. Just like you can see good that comes out of your situations and where you've been. Sometimes we don't see the good right away and it's just a mystery. All we can say, it's a mystery. And so how do you cope with those answers from God? Well, this is one way. Consider God's majesty and his will becomes more inviting. And that's one thing when we talked about prayer, one thing I encourage folks to do is whenever we pray, especially whenever there's something in our heart that we're praying for God to do, to start out our prayers praising God for who he is. And don't just say, Lord, I, I praise you because you're, you're my father. Or Lord, I praise you because you're the God who created the earth. Those are good things. But I mean, spend 10 minutes there. Spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes just praising God before you ever come down to say, this is what I want. Because somehow when I spend time praising God and praising him for his majesty and his greatness and his creation from everything from, from trees and grass to, to, to the ability that he gives architects to build buildings and then onto the universe, after I've spent time doing all of that, I come into a new place to appreciate God for his greatness because I realize God is greater than what my problem is, and that my problem is much smaller than the universe. A preacher wrote something I wanted to share with you tonight. It's something that, and I can't even tell you what preacher it is, but some preacher said this. He said, several years ago, a scientist wrote an article entitled, Seven Reasons Why I Believe in God. He said, consider the rotation of the earth. Our globe spins on its axis at the rate of 1,000 miles an hour. If it were just 100 miles an hour, our days and nights would be 10 times as long. The vegetation would freeze in the long night or it would burn in the long day and there could be no life. He said, consider the heat of the sun. 12,000 degrees at surface temperature and we're just far enough away to be blessed by that terrific heat. The sun gave off half its radiation. We would freeze to death. If it gave off more, we would all be crispy critters. He said, consider the slant of the earth. If it were different than that, the vapors from the oceans would ice over the continents and there could be no life. 
He said, consider the moon. If the moon were 50,000 miles away rather than its present distance, twice each day giant tides would inundate every bit of landmass on this earth. He said, think of the crust of the earth. Just a little bit thicker and there could be no life because there would be no oxygen or the thinness of the atmosphere. If our atmosphere was just a little thinner, the millions of meteors now burning themselves out in space would plummet this earth into oblivion. These are the reasons, he said, that I believe in God. Now, some of that was what Benton was praying about tonight as well. God's greatness. That God is so great when I start thinking, wow, the creator of the earth and of the universe and of all the universes lets me call him Abba, lets me come to him, wants a relationship with me, sent his son for me then all at once I can start handling my personal problems in a different way. I can say, okay, if I do die, I'm just going to go be with that father who's so great. If my loved one who's in Christ dies, they're going to be with our Abba. And there will be things I won't figure out because I, I read this in layman's terms and I don't even understand those. Because God's mind is so much greater than my mind is. When I consider his majesty, I can start accepting things that I don't understand. Not that I get it, but I depend on God. Romans chapter 8 and verses 31 through 35 and then 37 through 39. It's all good, but I just made it shorter because it's a lot to read. What then shall we say in response to these things, the Apostle Paul said? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him <coughs> excuse me, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? Now I want you to stop here for just a minute. As Paul is writing this, if he's writing, he might have had a secretary write it, but if he's writing it himself, I think this is where his writing gets a little bit blurry because he's writing fast. Because this is exciting stuff. You don't write this quietly. I would even imagine that he might have stood up while he wrote it. I mean, this is big stuff. What is going to separate me from the love of God? What is it? Is it troubles that I have on this earth? You think about what his troubles are. Imagine how his feet felt as he walked from place to place. Is it that kind of trouble? Is it going to be someone that is going to beat me because after all he was persecuted over and over and, and, and beaten? Is it going to be that kind of trouble? Is it going to be him in prison when what prisons basically in the day were a hole in the ground with a roof over the top? Is that going to be what, what stops me from, from the love of Christ, what keeps me away from Christ? Is it trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? 
And when you are the audience in Rome hearing this, it's being read to you. And I wonder what it would be like if, if the man reading it stops right there. Because that's a, one of the questions for us tonight. Is trouble or hardship going to keep us from the love of God? Is a lack of things like a lack of, of clothing or a lack of food going to keep us from the love of God? See, I have to decide if I'm going to go along with God or not. And so he says, will these things keep us away or will danger from someone killing us keep us from the love of God? And then Paul emphatically says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those are powerful words, aren't they? He said, you try to create something, you try to invent something that can keep you from the love of God, and it's impossible. There is nothing that is going to keep us from God's love. Now, I don't have to accept his love. I can walk away and say, I don't want his love. But let me tell you, I don't want to do that. I want God's love. Now, when I understand this kind of relationship, when I start getting it of what God wants from me and how God loves me and how great God is and that God has a place for me and, and that he loves me like this, when I start getting that message, when I know God, I know his ways are best even when I don't understand. I do not claim to understand all of God's ways. And the person who says they understand all of God's ways is either tricking you or lying to you. Because none of us understand that. I can't explain things. Just the other day I saw on a, on a website, some of you saw this, I saw the news story pop up, I think it was on Facebook, and popped up and said that someone had given a $16,000 tip at a restaurant. Some of you might have seen this. As, you know, you see something like that, it makes you stop to, to, to see, you know, and you wonder, did they put too many zeros accidentally? You mean to leave a dollar sixty, you know? What happened? Well, I saw one of our members wrote on that. It was a public site. One of our members had written on it actually, and had had written, Wow, this just proves God's love and how great God is. Well, I saw someone had responded to that. So I looked at it. The person who responded, not anybody we know, not anybody who knows a member who, who wrote that positive thing. Someone wrote, well, does this explain genocide then? Does God want that? It was almost all I could do to not respond. But I knew don't get into it, right? No God isn't happy with genocide. No God doesn't like things that, have, that are in this world that are negative and bad and sinful and hateful. Of course he doesn't like that. It makes him more sick than it makes us. But we live in this world that has fallen because of sin and sin is there and now we all have to cope with the sin of other people. 
When I go to the mall, I have to cope with the sin of people who drive too fast because there are all those speed bumps, right? We all have to cope with what other people have done. Every time you go to the airport and you take off your shoes, you are coping with the sin of one person, the shoe bomber. And it didn't even work. We all cope with the sin in the world that we live in. But when I know God, and I will never completely know God, but when I start knowing who God is and what he wants and his attributes and his love for me, and he says no, then I can say, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. My faith is in you even though I don't get it. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with you. And that's often a part of my prayers when I pray for these things, when I pray for folks that are sick or pray for things that just seem like they're so normal and that, and that ought to happen. Often part of my prayer is this, that very line, Lord, whether you say yes or no, I will be faithful. But I am praying for you to say yes. But I will be faithful no matter what the outcome is. Well, I want you to see one more verse there in Romans 8, 28. It's one of the most popular verses out there. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We're all called. And God's going to make it all work together one way or another. doesn't mean I understand it. It doesn't mean that I like it all. But it all comes together. So I think about the old song with Garth Brooks, Unanswered Prayers. So in the song, it's like, thanks, God, for not answering that, right? The way I wanted you to. But wasn't that hard to understand back when he was probably 16 years old and writing the song? But then in retrospect, you can say, I guess God knew what he was doing after all. So my question for us tonight is, will I praise him? Will I praise him? You see, acceptance of God's answers is a sign of maturity. If you get mad at God because you don't like his answer and you say, okay, then I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to give any more money anymore. I'm not going to teach the cradle roll anymore. Then you're not very mature in your faith. It's saying, Lord, I don't understand, but I know you, and I know that you always mean good, and you always are good. Therefore, I trust, and I praise you. So tonight, maybe you're ready to be baptized into Christ. This morning, J.P. Morgan was baptized. That's not right, J.P. Brown. J.P. Morgan, somebody else. That was funny right there. <laughs> I knew. I was going, wait a minute. I think, I think that's a bank. So J.P. Brown was baptized into Christ. Boy, I'm never going to recover. So, or maybe you need prayers tonight. Come as we stand and sing.